And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome, guys, to another episode of a recorded version of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Last time we did it live, this time we're not. For, for specific reasons, too, because Harry, that we'll get into... Harry didn't really wasn't a huge fan of the draft in general. And we're going to talk about that right off the bat. Speaking of which, I have Hot Take Harry with me. I have the Thunder from Down Under. I got George down below me as well. And we're going to talk about Jame Jaquez Jr. The Miami Heat kept their pick. They decided not to trade it on draft night. There were some rumblings that they could have traded back and gotten some more ammunition, but apparently they were afraid that Golden State might have take, taken Jame. So instead, the Heat kept their pick, did not trade back to acquire assets because they were afraid that they might lose their guy. And they drafted him at, what was it, 18 overall. When some people were saying there were a couple more athletic people on the board that might have fit Miami's needs specifically, the Heat thought otherwise. They really liked their guys. When the pick was made, I'm not going to lie, I, I was not a fan. I, was, I didn't want to talk myself into a 22-year-old that you know doesn't, doesn't shoot the best from three, doesn't exactly give you the height that you need in the front court. Um, but th that, that's kind of where we just have to disagree there because Miami, for whatever reason, they're really good with drafting players. So I definitely trust their evaluation of him. And to come to find out too, I didn't think he was very athletic. Apparently he had the third highest vertical jump out of the players in the combine, which I thought was, was a real hoot and holler in good time because I did not expect that man's mustache to be able to jump like that, but apparently it does. So kudos to him and his luscious lettuce flowing hair. Um, George, I want to hear from you. How did you like that pick? Do, do, do you think it solved any re real needs that Miami has? Does it solve a direct need? Not really. I'm not going to say it does or it doesn't. I'm not, I'm not going to be here and play um, you know, the fiddle on that one too much and say that he fits, fits a specific need. But he does bring something else in that sense. It's like just that energy, that athleticism, to be able to jump out the gym. Um, obviously, they were pretty high on him to take him um, at their pick, I, I don't think I don't think he was the best prospect on the board going to. I still think that there were still two or three prospects um, there that were a bit, like beyond what I think he could have brought with that, like for us. But saying that as well, I'm not upset at the pick. I don't really feel a specific way. It's hard. It's hard to put into words. It's just pretty. I'm pretty mediocre on it. It's. I, I have to see more. I have to see him in summer league. I have to see. You know what he can bring if he can get that shooting percentage up as well. Um, I, I'm not worried about the shooting percentage in that sense because there is obviously a big discrepancy from being a 31% free throw, uh, three point shooter and bringing something like that to the to the team straight away, um, and then walking in and actually being able to hit the shot is is different. He might be a completely different player come um, his first NBA game, and God knows when that will be because we've yet to see some meaningful. Nikola uh, Jovic numbers and you know and his minutes haven't really gone up so we're going to see how they're going to integrate him moving forward but while he, he is a heat player I will be happy to see his uh, development and see what else he can bring to the table moving forward but I'm I'm happy-ish with the pick we'll put it there I'm at around a five that's not bad honestly and you know he's good if he gets in the game he's going to be a shot chucker because Dion thankfully blessed him to wear number 11. He got Dion's blessing to wear Dion's old jersey number, which is awesome because if he's going to be out there, he's not going to be out there for many other reasons other than to shoot the basketball for based on potential lineups that we're looking at for Miami already. But Harry, I want to talk to you as well. 
How did you necessarily feel about that pick? Do you think there were better players? There's better uh, a different BPA that they should have looked towards, or do, do you think he solves any specific need for the current integration of the Heat? Uh, you know, I don't lie on here, LJ. I, I was disappointed. Uh, I had come home from a nice dinner with my wife and had got literally gotten home as the Heat were about to pick. So I was like, "This is this is cool timing." Um, and Adam Silver came up to the stand. And he said the one name I, I didn't want to hear. So I was not happy with this pick. Um, it's not just it's not just I don't really see the fit per se. It's that I think you draft a guy like Cam Whitmore if he's there. Like I take a top five talent every time. I don't really care what the you know, they're talking about his workouts or an injury or something. Like assuming the injury can heal, I don't see it as a big deal. And you know, you didn't like his attitude. I don't know, man. You can work on that, right? You're. I know they're like always looking for specific guys to fit into heat culture, and that's what a lot of the mock drafts are saying, right? That Jaime Jaquez was like a perfect heat culture fit. And I just thought, you know, there are other guys I like too. So when they were talking about Houston trading down two spots, or, you know, I, I still I have no faith in the Celtics to win anything, but I just like the way they manipulated the draft and. I felt like Utah took the two guys I liked, you know, uh, George two picks ahead and then uh, Sensible later in the draft, who I think is going to be just a great score in the NBA, Brian Sensible out of um, Ohio State. You know, those are the kind of guys I was looking at. I think you needed a guy that can really shoot the ball well. And so when I started looking at his stats, I saw that uh, Jaime is a 31% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and so that bothered me a bit because – I don't really see the fit between Jimmy and Bam. So I guess our hope is early on that he's kind of, um, you know, he's Jimmy's backup essentially, because again, that's the guy through all the interviews that he, he likes respects, um, you know, kind of tries to tailor his game towards like a Jimmy Butler. He's very aggressive. He's got pretty good handles. Um, you know, he's not afraid to take the tough shots. He was part of a very good UCLA team for four years. And I, I don't know if you want to dive into the numbers, right? His sophomore year, he shot 39% from three. So maybe that's what the Heat are looking at, saying, like, he's been there before. We can get him up to that number. Um, I have a good friend of mine who coaches high school basketball down here, and he says that people are talking about that he has a nice tweak to his shot. And based on some of the workouts they saw, they really liked this kid, that he killed it in the Heat workout. And so – um, if you like everything else and it's simply like getting those shooting numbers up to, you know, it's got to be a threat. So I think it's got to be 37%, right? I think that's got to be where the number is that, that makes, you know, teams kind of look out for him. And a lot of it's going to be that corner three because that's, that's supposed bread and butter on the offense is kind of getting guys into the corner and get that's the shot that's going to be open when, when Jimmy goes to the lane, when Bam drives, when other guys drive, like that corner three is going to be open. Um, that's what they're hoping for. I think – you know, depending on how you're going to talk yourself into this stuff. Um, you know, if the Heat are about to make a, a, a seismic trade or a decent move, like you might need a 22-year-old senior who's had a lot of college experience and NCAA tournament experience um, to plug and play in there. So maybe that's what they were thinking. Or their thought process was, we like this guy a lot. We think he can do a ton. Um, you know, maybe if it, if he has to seal the deal for a move, maybe a team would, uh, would be interested in him too. So we'll find out in the coming weeks, you know, what that's going to lead to, but 
my first thoughts were a primal scream that I yelled out that I shouldn't have. It was kind of embarrassing to yell about a draft pick at my age, but I did. Would you like to give us a preview of that noise that you made that you uttered? It was like, like no, you know, like something like that. I just you didn't, you didn't give the people a sound warning. Oh, yours just shit his pants. <laughs> yeah, and I scared the dog. Okay, sorry, Finn. Um. Yeah, it was something like that. It was just, you know, you react. I think that's why I also want to say before we move on to other stuff, like, you know, I had some tweets that I'll leave up there. I don't usually delete tweets too often unless there's a bad typo in there. So, you know, hey, these could all come back to bite me. I was pretty annoyed with the pick, and I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong about other picks that have turned out well. So, um, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he can shoot because I don't think all the other stuff matters if he can't shoot. Like – I don't think I'm not expecting him to be Jimmy Butler. So, you know, it doesn't matter if he tailors his game after him. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, uh, but, but again, I think he'll help. He looks like he'll, he'll help in the fast break, which we just think at. So any other guys that can run the court um, and dunk it or make a layup is going to be, is going to be nice. Another ball handler helps a guy who can, you know, can find space in between and likes that mid range jumper and, you know, you hope that he can increase the free throw percentage a little bit and the heat are banking on this guy making an impact and I think making it right away. And I think behind everything else, regardless of what the heat do, you know, Jimmy's going to miss some games. Uh, this guy's probably going to end up being Jimmy Butler insurance. And, you know, that's obviously something that um, the heat are going to need when Jimmy's barely play 60 games. You know, uh, we're going to hit this one a little early because Harry just gave the layup to us right there. Jimmy Butler insurance a primary sponsor of The Basement is Simple Health Advisors for insurance that doesn't need to be complicated. You can give them a call or email them today, send them at The Basement Sent You, email them at jpupoogh at simplehealthadvisors.com, or you can give them a ring at 321-345-7738. And I'm glad that Harry brought up um, the, the, the way that he would kind of play into the offense, being, you know, corner threes. I'm not worried when it comes to the Heat developing players showing them how to shoot. You saw Caleb Martin's jump shot last season. And when I say last season, I mean the year that the Heat were the number one seed. You saw his jump shot then. You saw that jump shot this year. The tweak is better. There's not as much as a hitch in it. They're t- teaching that out of him. He was a great, not great, but he was a good shooter. No, you know what? He was a great shooter with his foot on the line. Phenomenal. I think Harry retweeted that on my timeline. It was like, he shot like 60% or something like that from the corner with his foot on the line. That's absurd. So it's like, I trust the Heat to be able to tweak someone's jump shot or if they see something that they like, be able to make it more consistent because he has a nice-looking jumper. So like just being able to have it go in more and getting him into more of a rhythm is good. We've, we all know, though, that this fan base, when this fan base doesn't really like a pick is usually when it turns out that the pick is probably pretty good. The, the fan base didn't like Bam. They didn't like Tyler's pick. They didn't like Precious, who we're not going to talk about that. They didn't like Nicola. Jury's still out on him. Yet what was the one player of recent memory that everybody loved when they made it? it was Justice Winslow. Danny Ainge offered the farm for Justice Winslow. Pat Riley stood pat, no pun intended. And then we know what happened with Justice. Hashtag Justice better, y'all know. But that that's what it wound up being. So, Harry, you want to jump in? Yeah, and I feel like the last guy that I remember, his three-point numbers weren't good, but the Heat were very, very confident in his ability to shoot um, was Josh Richardson, who they drafted out of Tennessee in the second round. I think he was like a 33% shooter, and he didn't take a ton of threes until I think his senior year. Um, you know, remember he was a guy that kind of played more of a forward position and then he had to play point guard his, uh, his senior year in college cause they had some injuries. So 
I think they're just looking at these guys. They see skills they like, and you know they they have a great shooting coach. They have they believe they can make good shooters great and probably bad shooters good, and vice you know in any combination of that. So they're probably looking at this guy and saying, "Sure, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but he had that you know he had the good sophomore year where he shot a very high percentage from three. Um, you know he did have a an ankle lower leg injury his junior year, which I think probably hurt him a bit with his ability to, um, to jump a bit on that foot and, and get a, a nice release. So listen, we all hope we're wrong. We're not experts. We did not watch the amount of, you know, draft and video and other things that, you know, Adam Simon and the rest of the heat front office watch before they drafted this guy. I think most people felt like this, right? Um, I read a lot of tweets that were saying, like, I like the player. I get the pick. You know, was it the right pick at 18? And so then you're talking, like, could they have moved? Like, you know, the Rockets got their guy anyway, but if that if they really wanted Whitmore and they wanted to secure that, you know, could you have flipped? Could you have gotten, like, a Kevin Martin Jr. just to flip back two picks and get and got an asset for that? Or could you have gotten a second-round pick? And it's just – the answer is we don't know. Maybe Golden State would have grabbed them at 19, but it's just – we got to figure out a way to manipulate the draft better. And, um, you know, I understand grabbing the guy when he's there and worrying about not being able to get him. And for me, a lot of guys that I wanted were taken right before the heat. I liked the guys taken at 16 and 17. Um, Keontae, Keontae George went to Utah and, um, Jalen hood Shafino went to the Lakers. So those are both guys that I thought would have been perfect on the heat. Um, and it is what it is. That's the draft, right? That's, that's how it goes sometimes. So, Hopefully I'm very wrong and I, I scream for twice now for no reason. And, uh, you know, we, we, this guy's going to be, uh, you know, a great player and really make me look like an idiot. Cause that's all I, I just want the team to do well. I don't care if I look dumb. The last thing I want to say on this before we move on, I'm gonna give both of you guys a chance to answer too. What's your favorite nickname for him? I'll let you guys, both of you go ahead. I'll be surprised if any of you guys take mine because mine's more of a deeper cut, but what, go ahead, George. What, what is your favorite nickname for, for Jaime Jaquez? Juan Wick. By that far. seems to be the, the overall favorite. I think everyone likes Juan Wick. As yeah, that that was mine too. What's the other one? Because I don't even have one now. Uh, Kylo, Kylo Juan. No, I don't know. Something else like that. Oh, Kylo, Kylo something. Kylo Bien. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think it's <laughs> Kylo Bien. Um, um, yeah, those are both good. But, but Juan Wick is very good. That's easily the best one. Mine's Yimmy Butler, though. Yimmy Butler is probably the best. I, I, I don't <laughs> I know why you're liking both those players. I don't. I don't like that sort of thing either. But um, I want to point out as well. He George was number one. Disagrees. I don't. I don't care what she says. Shut up. She's pissed. She's. She, how dare you speak ill? Do you want Yimmy Cam Butler? Whitmore? Is that what you're saying? But we didn't get him. So shut up. And he's in a bad system now. I don't care what anyone says. The Rockets have a horrible system for for players like that. And he won't develop like they think he will. He, I just want to say quickly, he, uh, when I say he, I mean Cam Whitmore, reeks of the Justice Winslow pick. Reeks of it. F- fell in the draft, people didn't know why, and then found out why later, didn't really like it. But I'm going to point out as well that um, uh, we picked, just picked up a guy with the number one. He was number one in the NCAA. <laughs> For defensive win shares. You're not going to This get dog is, is losing it. Can you do something for me, George? After this episode, can you take a picture of your dog and Photoshop uh, Hame's jersey on him? Because it, it yes. seems like he's a huge fan and just post that with no caption. It's a girl and she's going to... Oh, for I'm her. Gonna I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm bringing her here. Very bad. 
<laughs> we're on the board. We'll we'll move on. We'll we'll give George some time to recoup with, with his with his little dogs over there. Um, Harry, let's just let's just bounce this off each other here because I know you guys. We talked about it in the pre-show, uh, and and you and George fundamentally disagree on how long this next topic should go on for. Um, it being how long should we wait on Damian Lillard? Because a lot of us thought, me included, I was the one really pushing this train was that if you don't have a definitive answer by the draft, it's going to be a problem. You should have known one way or the other if Damian Little was going to ask out after the draft was over if Portland kept the pick. They kept the pick. They got Scoot. How long now? Because you don't... all. If you read the tea leaves, as you like to say, Harry, it's pretty obvious that, as George shows his dog, it's pretty obvious that they're, they're going in for a breakup. But how long does it take for Dame to grow some peach fuzz on his nuts and actually ask out? How long should we wait here? And that's the fundamental disagreement that we have here right now is that I'm thinking in about a week, by the time free agency starts, if you don't know which way Dame is officially leaning, because there was a report two years ago that he was getting frustrated. And then they got rid of CJ McCollum and he still stuck it out. So it's like, how long do you really wait on Dame now to make a decision before you risk losing out on all these other potential role players that will really help Miami? Not just a star, not just going whale hunting, other sufficient role players that will help this team out and help their weaknesses, especially in the front court and their shooting, before you just, you just cut times with the whole Damian Lillard pie in the sky idea. How long, how long do you guys think we should wait here? Yeah, so I like, I mean, you gave a week that's pretty fair. I was going to say, you know, July 9th is the official day that Dame can be moved. So obviously anything can be agreed to before that, but that's the official time where he could be traded from that day on. So I was going to say 10 days, but it has to be in a way where, let's say the Heat have moves A, B, C, D, and E, right? Five different variations of what they want to do. Um, you need to be in constant contact with these teams. If you lose out on a guy because you're waiting on Dame and Dame doesn't happen, and then you go back and they've already moved on to another team, um, you screwed up. I think last year, and it's 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 valid, it's just annoying, is that the KD thing, he really did pause the league, and so there wasn't a ton of stuff that we thought that was out there. The only one that we really thought they could have done um, was more draft time, like the uh, Jeremy Grant would have been a really good player for the Heat. We've talked about it before. But I think the Heat needed an expiring contract that they did not have. So my thought is they have some expiring contracts. Um, there are things they can do. Uh, I'm going to be very annoyed if they wave and uh, stretch um, Depot's contract. That that needs to be used in some way, whether you attach a second-round pick or multiple second-round picks. That needs to be used to get a player back who's going to play. Um, and so that's my thought on this Dame thing. Like you can, you set up a timeline with Portland and you say, Hey, listen, we're interested. If you're doing this move, you know, let us know. We will, we will do our best to, to get that done. If Dame wants to be in Miami, uh, and you let us know within the next week. In the meantime, the heat need to have all these other things on the table, all these moves. You know, we talked about it free, uh, free agency. The new year will officially open on June 30th. That's Friday at 6 PM. So you'll start seeing moves happen immediately. Maybe a little slower this year with the, you know, the tampering BS fines and the picks or whatever. But again, you know, slowly trickling in after that six, six o'clock, you'll start seeing some moves. You'll probably start seeing some trades because trades could have been discussed. Trades are allowed to have been discussed before. And you cannot sit on your hands and wait for Dame. And here's why: because I have a feeling uh, George is going to disagree with us, and we'll let him come in after and explain why. 
This Heat team is very close. Um, when they have been healthy, they have been championship contenders. When they were healthy in the bubble, uh, they looked like they were going to win it. Unfortunately, we had a bad injury to Goron and a shoulder injury to Bam. That changed that whole series against the Lakers. We still gave them a hard, you know, a hard series, but we lost. The next season was was too short of a time to recover from uh, from the bubble, the shortest offseason ever between the Heat and the Lakers. You know, everybody suffered. Jamal Murray had the ACL injury, and the Celtics weren't very good the next year either. So, you know, that's the fluke season. Then last year, we gave the Celtics all we could. We lost in seven. Again, we, we had a lot of injuries. And then this year, we did what we could. You know, I just think the Nuggets were a better team. But the Heat are right here. We're right here. We are ready. And the fact that we just have kind of like sat on our hands, uh, we'll talk about this as it's coming up. You know, we have not made a trade to acquire a player uh, since the Kyle Lowry trade. So we're going on two years of doing absolutely nothing to acquire a player. Mind you, every other person, every other team in the NBA has made a move. Every other team has made a move. So we can talk about patience and the front office and trusting everything, but a lot of it is just Spo being excellent at his job, you know, getting every single ounce of water out of that stone, I believe is the, is the expression. And we have to do stuff. It doesn't matter if it's small. It doesn't matter if it means, you know, taking Lowry and a pick and getting something or, um, you know, Duncan and a pick and doing something else like this team has to make moves. So I hope that even if Dame isn't real, whether he, you know, he can't, you know, admit that he needs to move on. Um, we need to, we need to figure that out. And the one thing I'll say um, is that it's going to be interesting to see Jeremy Grant is like Dame's best friend in Portland. They were just in Paris together uh, traveling and he's a free agent. Portland can obviously offer him the most money. I read reports he wanted five for 150 or something crazy. You know, he's a good player. Obviously, the cap's going up, so you should get all the money you can. But I don't know. Does he just like take it in Portland and then get out whenever he can? Or does he try to angle for a signing trade? Because it'll be interesting to see what happens to him and where he goes and the impact that has on Dame. So. We have some interesting days set up. I agree with you, LJ. It has to be quick, and they have to be able to pivot. We cannot be waiting the way we did for Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm not going through an offseason like uh, – sorry, I'm not going through an offseason like last season. I'm not going through a season like last season. I, I do not want to deal with that again. All right, George, defend yourself here because me and Harry are in the boat that there is a hard deadline when you just – you give up on the Dame thing because Harry said it. We're not that far away. We're really, really not. You need a couple really solid pieces that are not even top of the flight, like game-changing players. You just need some solid-ass players that'll do their job. That's all this team needs. There's a hard deadline you need to meet to give up on the Dame dream if that doesn't happen. But you you apparently think differently, don't you? You think we should just hold it no matter what, just hold out. The territory that you gain with the acquisition of a player like Damian Lillard is, is in, it's incomparable to anything else. Regardless of when you pick him up, if you do pick him up, look, and I get it. He's got commitment issues. He's a, he's a scaredy cat. I don't know what you want to call him. It is, it's sad. But you know what? So was my ex. She had <laughs> commitment issues, but I loved her all the same. And I love Damien, Damien Lillard. I do. Uh, I like the idea of holding out to see what they do with Jeremy Grant. I don't think they're going to be able to pay him like they want. 
like he wants. They're still paying uh, a bunch of money to Cam Reddish, and he's done nothing for them. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. But the reason why I'm team team Dame and team Wait is because you cannot risk losing out on another prospect like this. You really can't. It doesn't. It's not a good look for the for the team. Not a good look for the franchise. It's just not. Do I think that the Heat are close? Yes, but not close enough. We saw the reports that, you know, apparently some NBA executive said that it's a fluke that what we did. And I'm inclined to agree with that in some small way. It was a very, very peculiar year for us. It was almost missing out of the playoffs, almost missing out of the play-in, tanking for a pick. For all that to go from 100 to zero like that, and actually shifting into the next direction where we took out the Bucks, the Knicks, uh, the Celtics, and then just coming short against Denver. It shows that there's a level of competitive, competitiveness with this team that you just don't get with any, you know, that you don't get elsewhere. You don't see upsets like that happen in the NBA, not often and not to that extent. But with Dame, you almost guarantee yourself the best chance to get close enough to that result. I think Tyler Hero coming back will hinder the Heat more than they think. The reason why the Heat progressed so far into the playoffs was because of the Tyler Hero injury. The ability to take the ball out of his hands that forced Jim Butler to do what he needs to do, that forced Bam, Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry to some extent, Duncan Robinson's minutes, those are, those are the factors that came into it and, 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 and pushed us over the line. I just don't see how Tyler Hero immerses himself back into a system of winning basketball. Because you've seen it, 82-game season, where he was our best offensive player, and we almost missed the playoffs. He gets injured, we go to the finals. Tyler Hero is not able to adjust to that sort of system. He's not going to be the, the elite catch-and-shoot three-point shooter that we hope he is, to take that the ball out of his hands, to not dribble as much. But you get someone like Dame, who is a comp, who is a beyond competent enough dribbler and and ball and playmaker, ball handle, everything, high assist numbers, high points, um, you know, good good offensive, uh, good great offensive output that you get from night in night out. It's it's just crucial that we get something like that back on the team because we can't keep hoping that Duncan does what he does again. You know, I feel like he played into the narrative more than any other player this this offseason, this this postseason. You cannot integrate that system back and to get it to winning basketball again. I just don't believe you can. I think that Dame's your best chance to get back there. Now, waiting is the scary part because it could be just be, you know, play cat and mouse. So the Portland Trailblazers don't want to look like they're going to betray their franchise best player, uh, one of the franchise's best player, but the you know the best one for the last ten years. Uh, and Dame doesn't look want to look like he's quitting Portland. Eventually, someone's going to have to pull the pin. You're not going to, you don't want to get, leave your career and say you did it all when you didn't compete for a championship at any point. You didn't. I don't care how deep you thought you were going. You didn't make it. Not to a finals, not once. Not once. You, you I, bring that up extremely well, too. You said pulling the pin. And I think that that's a great way of looking at it, too, because I think the pin's already been pulled and they're playing hot potato right now. I haven't Blazers seen this level of playing hot potato, and it's all about who it blows up on. They're acting like it's never been done before, man. They're saying like that a star player has never wanted to ask out of a small market before. It's never happened in the NBA, and they're so scared. 
to be the first team ever that has a superstar ask out. It happened. Paul George did it in Indiana. Like it's saving face all still. the time. They're still doing it, but I feel like Dame is putting the the, the pointers out there that he wants to leave. You don't just miraculously turn on your Instagram live to welcome to Miami. And then the other song, which referenced Miami as well. And then you laugh and then your agent puts out that he didn't mean it. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You'd leave the bar. You you turn off your Instagram live if you if you're there are so many pointers and there's there's only so many times you can put yourself in a situation with a knife in your hand, and the room's dark and you wake up and there's a sus you know there's the victim on the ground with with bloody bloody stab wounds. If you're holding the knife long enough, you're the you're the reason it happened. It's the it's the Eric Andre meme verbal meme for the listeners. Yeah. Where he's in there. Who shot Hannibal? <laughs> Who shot Hannibal? That, that's exactly what this is. Harry, you want to get back in on it? Yeah, so my my confusion is this. Like, I, I think that I think they're both worried about being the bad guy in the situation. It's obvious that to me, it's obvious that Dane's hinted at a lot of things that, he, that I think he wants out, right? They keep saying, oh, no, he wants them to make a move. Like, no, he put pressure on them to do things they were never willing to do, right? They were never going to move that pick. Never, ever, ever. They... Even if Scoot had been picked second, they would have been fine picking Brandon Miller. They had no issue starting with him. Um, so we're just kind of at this point, right? They could sit down and Dame could say, I want to spend the rest of my career here. And Portland could say, that's great, man, but that doesn't help us at all. Like, we got we to – like, we don't know if he's going to be as good, but we have a great prospect in Scoot who wants the ball in his hands. He's going to need the ball in his hands. He's the new point guard of the future, like – Having Dame there doesn't really help his game, right? People were saying we're okay. shooting CJ McCollum. Like, yeah, it won't blend the and same were, way that those two did. And they were saying, oh, um, you know, can these guys play together? Yes. I mean, any two guys can play together. You know, whether it'll be good, whether it'll be fruitful, uh, you know, you have to find out. But for them to both like Dame's, he's 30, you know, he's 32. He's not, sorry, he's 34, right? He's 34. So, um, we're not talking about this like young guy who's trying to figure it out. You had it right yeah. the first time. Yeah, he's 32. 32? I don't know. I just... a, a, he's about to turn 33. Got it. Okay, sorry. I mix, mixed up all my numbers. Are you going to so, wait till he's 36? Wait until well, he's 36 when, when Scoot actually can play off you know, another star? It's yeah, I just, happen. I just think like, Listen, is it tough to, you know, is it tough to say how loyal you are and you never you never ran from the grind and all that other stuff? Of course, of course. You've you really made a you've made a big mess out of, you know, talking too much about how loyal you are. But in terms of you're in a good opportunity with a, this is a GM I believe that came in last year, so it's a newer GM. They're they're not going to have the same, you know, oh my gosh, um Guys move all the time, right? What do we talk about? The best player in Heat history is Dwayne Wade. That guy, even though we don't like to think about it, he played on two other teams, which obviously no, is – Yeah, I mean, what am I talking about? I messed, I messed up again. But, um, you know, Shaq played on six teams. Chris Paul's played, what, six teams in seven years or seven teams? It's, I don't know. Like, guys move on. It's okay. Um, Dame has to just be – he needs to ask for it because I believe they'll grant it and – if he asks for Miami, I think they'll figure out a way to get it done. So let's do this, Dame, because the one part I agree with George about is that um, Dame is a seamless fit in this team. You're probably talking about one of the better uh, big three combinations, and it would be a big three. We don't have to joke about it. Not like that it would be a big three with Dame, Jimmy, and Bam. They'd fit really well together. Dame and Bam are close. They played on the Olympic team together. They have good chemistry. 
Uh, I think Jimmy would find a lot of room to operate in an offense with Dame, you know, shooting from the logo. And this is kind of what all he fans want because I think this gives Jimmy a legitimate shot to win in the next two to three seasons, even as he's getting older. I think you're exactly right because it gives him the the best opportunity in the time where you can realistically expect quote unquote playoff Jimmy, right? Like after those two years, it's like you can't realistically expect him to go nuclear, which he's done three out of the last four postseasons at, at random different times. Uh, obviously this, this year barring like an ankle injury, but we're not going to talk about Josh Hart. George, did you, you wanted to say something? I could also say as well that you can facilitate a sign and trade with J- Jeremy Grant as well to this team. If that's a, a, a hanging factor of anything, you know, if 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 you're listening to this game, you can still have your 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 boy there with you. If it, they're willing you know, to pay, great Jeremy Grant, Lowry, Hero, Martin, um, our draft pick this year, and two two first two seconds, you can make it work, and you can you can make the money work. If they have to take on that Carl Lowry salary, Duncan salary, uh, Tyler Hero's coming salary, you can make it work. I'm not saying it's the most realistic thing in the world. That'd be one of the biggest trades in terms of money that the league's ever seen, if not ever the league has ever seen in terms of money. It'd be the biggest trade of all time. Just just to be clear about sign and trades, because I don't I, I don't want us to give out um, like I just don't want to give out information that might not be clear or 100 percent correct. So right at the moment, I think when you factor in some salaries, he's going to be right around that second apron range, which is going to be a bit too high to do a signing trade. What they'd have to do if they if that was something they were interested in doing, which, again, very complicated. I think they'd have to find a team to dump Kyle's salary on into. That would you know take his salary off the books. And once that's off the books, then the Heat would be uh, far enough below the tax in order to do a signing trade. And then if they acquired someone, they would be hard capped. And I believe based on if you're giving up Kyle's salary, for example, which is a huge expiring. I think you'd have to find a way to probably do Struess and Vincent sign and trades to kind of make up that gap. And those aren't things that we can guarantee. We don't know what they're going to get in the open market. Um, we don't know if the teams they're going to are going to have cap space and thus don't need a sign and trade. And so just a lot of factors that we can't control. So while we could say, oh, there might be a way to acquire you know, a Jeremy Grant and a sign and trade. I think theoretically you're probably right, George. I just think to make that work, you would need eight things working at once. And I don't want to tell people that's what they're doing because I don't think that's a likely possibility. I don't think they could get both, but I, you know, who knows? And I think, I think regardless, and I talked about this on the, I was on the playbook sports podcast with Jordan Alfasa um, a few days ago. Uh, which I, I gave a lot of information about the cap. If you guys want to go back and just kind of listen to that um, and kind of went over how punitive this new um, this new second apron is, the Heat are going to do whatever they can to stay below that second apron. They will pay the tax this year. It's it's going to be very difficult for them um, to avoid the tax, but they are not going to go over that that second apron. Which again, after um, the cap went up about three million, that's at one eighty two point five million is the second apron. So the the Heat are not going to go over that number. Um, so you have to factor that in when you figure, figure out who could, who they could get on the trade market, you know, who they could add and all their free agents are going to be, uh, vet men's. I would have to guess unless they could find a way to, to use a small mid level, but again, that's complicated too. And I don't know. I mean, I hope I'm wrong and hope they cut salary and they find the guys they want, but this is, 
this is going to be tough. And we just have to hope it's Dame because I think that's the easiest way to add talent and sh- uh, send out some of these salaries that we don't want to see anymore and make I it work. I disagree. I think there's a different pivot. I think there's a, there's a very obvious pivot too that's been being talked about on Twitter also. It's Zach Levine. I feel like you're getting, because you said it as well, Harry, that like you're not that far away. Dame obviously puts you over the top, right? I think Zach Levine also gets them there because you're not that far away. Uh, obviously, there's a big disparity between Zach Levine and Dame, Damian Lillard, but I, I think your biggest competition, if you're Miami, minus being the Portland Trailblazers, keeping keeping your timeline completely in the dark and blurry, if you do meet that deadline, like you and I are talking about, and you still don't have a definitive answer, right? Like you still don't know if he wants out, if he asks out later, so be it. George thinks you should sit on your hands. They did that last offseason with Kevin Durant, and it didn't work out. That means, you know, just by the law of averages, maybe that works out this year for them. But if they choose to go in a different direction, there is a very, very valuable option in Zach Levine. And the only there's not many teams that would compete with Miami offer-wise for Zach Levine. The New York Knicks would. Then there was a recent report coming out from uh, Levine's camp saying that he didn't want to play for the Knicks anyway. So if that's true, you scrub your hands of that possibility – who else in the East, really, right? Like the Nets, but are they going to... They're, they're a little more likely. I think a lot of people saying about Nets being Miami's top competition for Dame, albeit that true, I, I don't see it from Brooklyn's perspective about trading for a 33-year-old point guard, giving up all those picks they have to not even be a top two seed, top three seed in the East. I, I don't see Brooklyn doing that. I don't, I've, I've heard some people from Brooklyn also say, they don't think the Nets would be interested in doing that. I agree with that. I, I don't giving up mortgaging that much of your future when you have that many young players and no defined star trading for your one defined star, giving up all those assets to do so. I don't think it's smart. I don't think Dame would be completely on board with that. Minus I'm saying he wanted to play with Mikael Bridges. I, I just don't see that as a, a sophisticated move from Brooklyn's standpoint, but that's also not the same front office, but that's the same organization that mortgaged their future for a 45 year old Paul Pierce and a 75 year old Kevin Durant or not Kevin Garnett. So it's like they've done stupid shit before. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility that that organization would do something dumb, mortgaging their future for an aging superstar. But Hey, I I still, I want to know your guys' thoughts on Zach Levine though, because I feel like that's probably the most likely pivot option. If they actually hold true. To to a deadline with Dame. Well, Harry, let's hear from you. How do you how do you feel about Zach? Um, I like him. I think he would be good together. I was listening to a podcast. I try to remember where, but I'm not recalling. Um, they basically remember that Zach Le- Zach Levine was traded for Jimmy Butler on draft night um, when uh, Jimmy went to the Timberwolves. So um, they kind of said they were traded for each other, but wouldn't they work kind of well together? And I think they would. Um, Levine seems like a guy who wants to win. He's he's become a very good player. He's a uh, he's a great he's a great scorer. He can he's he's slithery. He can get to the bucket. Kind of the guy that the Heat need, and a decent three point shooter. So I like him. My issue, LJ, with always is the Dame thing. Feels like if Dame asked for Miami, I think they could work something out. If you're talking about simply supply and demand, I don't see how the Heat compete with any of these teams. So you know we're mentioning teams for Levine, but. Um, if another team wants him, they'll get him. They, they can easily beat Miami's offer, like even our best. And so that's where I get stuck, right? I'm kind of looking at, you know, can we get him? Sure. Um, but in terms of like, will we get him? Do we have the assets? I don't know. So 
again, it's not it's not a bad pivot. If it could happen, do it. But because I agree with George, I don't think you can bring Hero back to this team. But um, yeah, I don't I don't see it right now. I I think they definitely need to switch things up though too. Like you said, I don't see them bringing Hero back. It doesn't make sense to bring this team back. I think they don't like each other very much. Even the, the whole regular season, that was easy to say. Postseason, they really gelled and came together. But I don't think that. I, I I don't. I would be shocked if they ran back this exact same team, minus their own free agents, mind you, minus a Max Scherzer and Gabe Vincent. But George, apparently George wants to talk for fifty minutes about this. So just go ahead, George. Just go. I'm me, me and Harry aren't going to interrupt you. Keep talking for as long as you want, and then we'll close out the pod as soon as you're done. The pod ends when you decide it ends. Go ahead. <clears throat> I hate both of you. Just know that. Just know I hate the both of you. Like, it genuinely. Because, Harry, you took the words right out of my mouth. I said that the Heat would be able to facilitate a sort of sign and trade. I didn't say a direct between two teams. But you just had to make me look stupid, didn't you? I think you take enjoyment out of it. Trying you to have make done dumb. that yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Star Wars reference. You take it back. <laughs> the, the, okay, let's go back to the Dame thing for 30 seconds. 30 seconds and then done with Dame. Like I said, and to epitomize what I've been trying to say with Dame, the gravity that comes with the Dame is phenomenal. The, the Heat would be able to go out after that sort of, you know, that 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 acquisition of Dame and, and put together a team that could win. The team has gone with undrafted players, with, with veterans, and to be able to, you know... Um, overachieve constantly. The Andre Godala looked like he was finished. He was done. He came and gave us meaningful minutes. The Lowell Deng did the same thing when he came to the to the Heat. He looked fantastic. So did Joe Johnson, Wayne Ellington. These are type like those types of veteran players are able to do that. Undrafted players. He did it with Duncan Robinson, did it with Gabe Vincent, did it with Max Struess, Hayward Highsmith, Kayla Martin. There was an undrafted you know what was he? Was that drafted? No, he was undrafted. I'm just getting he confused was now. his brother Between, got drafted. Yes, that's correct. I get confused sometimes, but I, I sit here and I look at this team and I say, you know what? They could build something with the remnants of what's left after you give up the, you know, the, the mess hall for, for Damon Little. Okay. But that's going to work itself out in time. You'll see more and more, you know, rumors, things like that. There'll be little hints you'll see as well with this organization, depending when, when I talk about Portland as well as the, as the organization in question, you'll see more and more, signs that they're leading towards training him or keeping him on. I don't know what they're going to try and do, but no one knows, but we will know in time. The Zach Levine thing is a little bit more interesting because he is somehow more achievable than Dame Lillard, but I didn't think that was going to be uh, something that we'd have to have to look at. Zach looks like he's getting tired of what the Bulls were trying to do. I, I don't think it's the Bulls' fault. They had to star uh, point guard in Lonzo, who was looking phenomenal for them. And now you get reports he's not even going to be played this year. Now that's a horrible thing to go through. That's your star point guard. He came he, he when he was uh, in Chicago in his first season. He was averaging forty three from three, forty three percent, which is phenomenal. And and it's, it's exactly that that big point guard that can play defense. He can stretch the floor. It was a great accompaniment. The the Vucevic acquisition has gone left and right. You don't really see how that's worked out. Patrick Williams hasn't really developed a, a, a spot where you would have liked to see him at this point of his career. Uh, Zach doesn't look like the player who's content with being a non-competitive team in this, especially in this weakened Eastern Conference. I look at Zach as a player that could move himself and could, could create that gravity around his own situation to want to leave. 
the whole not wanting to go to New York thing, that's just the cherry on top, really. You look at some the, – the, the Heat and the Knicks haven't had the best relationship in a very, very, very long time. And I feel like it's just – it's it's not that he's individually singling out Miami from those comments. I just think he's he's targeting himself to other teams that could look to acquire a star like that. He would have been perfect on the Knicks. I'm going to say that right now. It would have been a perfect acquisition for the Knicks. They, he just doesn't want to be there, and that's completely fine. I don't know why people would want to go there anyway. It stinks. Um, come to Miami. Weather's way better. But the fit with Zach in this team uh, goes beyond leaps and bounds what I thought uh, you know, a free agent last year besides Kevin Durant could give us. Zach is athletic. He's a good shooter. Uh, he can put the ball on the floor. He's, he's a good facilitator. It's something that the, the Heat need. But that price tag for a team like that, the Bulls would want to rebuild if they lost Zach Levine. You can't compete with DeMar DeRozan at 36 years old and or 35, wherever, wherever he's at now. And uh, Vushkovic and, and Kobe White, you can't do that. So they're going to want to hit the rebuild button. Tyler here would be nice in their franchise. I feel like a trade center around that could get it done as well. You put a, a, a pick in there, a couple of pick swaps. You might not even have to give up the farm for something like that. You really might, might not have to. You might chuck in a Duncan if they really want it or something like that. But uh, if even if they don't want Tyler Hero specifically, you could also give him, you could send to the trade around Kyle Lowry in that sense and give get the money of the books next year so they could actually focus on a full rebuild. But like I said, I'm more in the camp of holding out for Dame and seeing what he can offer long-term. Um, I, I still think that he's got four really good years left in him and he better do it on a team that can compete because he's not going to be wanting, wanting to watch Scoot, uh, you know, Scoot develop from the sidelines. Really, you don't. Ben be the franchise there. It's like, it works out for Portland in that way, but I don't think it works out for Dame and his legacy. I don't think he's, he's going to be able to, to really like move away from the NBA knowing that he could have done more but didn't do more. So I, I bank on, on the time running out for Dame more than I do for Portland. There we go. You heard it. George decided to wrap it up. He, he gave us uh, – it was only a five-minute uh, solo rant by George. It wasn't actually the 45 minutes like I promised you guys. So I apologize to our listeners. But thank you guys so much for listening, joining us for another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Thank you for 10 minutes, spending some time with your favorite little random scrubs like me, Harry, and George. Take good care, everybody. And remember to be good people until we see you next time. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.